0: You're listening to the living word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We come alive as a way. The the so yeah. yeah.
1: Because they thought That righteousness came by obeying the law, by being circumcised, by having a kosher diet, by whatever it is. And you could take that in the context of our world and our culture. It's saying the prayers. It's the rosary. It's the beads. It's whatever. Lighting the candles. And none of those things will bring you close to the Lord. And none of those things will lead you to true godliness. None of them. There's only one thing only one message and only one person and his name is Jesus
0: how do you read scripture as a story of God's unyielding love going to the most extreme lengths to restore us to a place of relationship with Him? Or do you see it as a book of rules, a series of hoops to jump through in order to gain favor with God? Well, Pastor Danny will make it clear that there's nothing that we can do to earn that connection with God or cleanse us from our iniquity. Jesus alone makes a way for us, and that's the message of the gospel. Praise God! Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Titus chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Jesus it's the gospel message it's the death the burial the resurrection it's not a common faith in a religious attainment it's not a common faith in a religious observance it's none of that it has nothing to do with law has nothing to do with religion it has to do with the gospel to Titus my true son in our common faith the gospel invaded this pagan culture on the island of Crete. And just like it had revolutionized the life of a very religious man named Saul of Tarsus who becomes the apostle, pinning these words, it also revolutionized the life of Titus, this uncircumcised Greek who became a spiritual son to this apostle. And it revolutionized their lives just like it revolutionized the lives of these pagan Cretans hundreds of years ago. It's a powerful message. It's a simple message. It's a timeless message. And it's a message that can be preached in any culture because the culture of Christianity is unique to any culture. Now, that brings us to verse 5. Well, even before I read that. You know how unique we are when I say creatures like you and talk about Paul and Titus and the only thing they have in common? Listen, leave here just a minute. Let me just digress just for a minute. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you were baptized into Christ. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ the Savior. This passage is not trying to uh, get rid of gender distinctions. It's just saying, look, in Christ we're all one. We're the most unique bunch of people in all the world. Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, not only between Jew and Gentile, but between any people of any background, by abolishing in his flesh, the law with its commandments and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Let me read you one more passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Also written to people of very pagan backgrounds. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Don't you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But I love what he says next. (laughs) And this is what some of you were. Creature. But you were washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, when you received the gospel, all of a sudden the gospel and the power of the gospel so impacted your life and my life that you are not now what you once were. You're a new creation. All things passed away, all things continually becoming new. I mean, that's just great stuff. Great stuff. Listen, the church is a kaleidoscope of incredibly diverse backgrounds, cultures, pagans, and religious zealots, and all come together under one banner, the banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's so cool. Okay, back to the text. That was a nice digression. That brings us to verse 5. The gospel invaded the island of Crete. Churches sprang up. And now part of Titus's responsibility to make sure that these churches remain spiritually strong and continue to grow spiritually, here's his instruction. Verse 5, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered. Now, the Cretans would have noted that because they were quick-tempered. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent. And they were violent. Not pursuing dishonest gain. And these guys were pursuing dishonest gain all the time. And cheating and lying in order to gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And then finally, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. He's talking about the purity of the message of the gospel so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now sometimes when we teach through a passage like this, we spend a lot of time on the character qualities of an elder in a local church but that's not what we're going to do I'll tell you why you could look at each one of those character qualities and you could do a message about each one of the character qualities but here's the bottom line these are character qualities of true godliness now how did we start out verse one Paul a servant of God an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth the gospel that leads to Godliness. It doesn't just save you. It's not just fire insurance. It changes your life. I want you to know, sometimes we read passages like this in our culture too, and we think, well, elders in the church, they probably Bible college graduates or seminary graduates, but these guys aren't seminary or Bible college graduates. These are Cretans, pagans, dishonest swindlers. And yet when the gospel comes to their island, and impacts their life all of a sudden Jesus Christ Jesus Christ not only saves them Jesus Christ changes them so that now they're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ and these character qualities you find as part of their lives and Paul says to Titus you ordain you appoint elders in every town what's an elder to do an elder is to be an example an example An example of what the power of the gospel can do in one's life. And an elder is to make sure that we maintain the purity of the message that did change our lives. Hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. It's simply the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that message saved my soul, and that message changed my life forevermore. I am not the same person, and everybody in Hartsville, South Carolina knew that when Danny Hodges received Christ as Lord and Savior, Danny Hodges became a different person. And when you come from a small town like me, it doesn't take long for word to travel. And people that thought Danny Hodges got religion, once they saw my life, they realized this is more than religion. We can't can't explain this. We don't understand how this drug addict that we wanted our kids to stay away from is now not only free from drugs, but he's a nice guy. I want my kids to hang around with him now. Maybe he'll have a good influence on them. You understand, these are men that were appointed as elders, that people that knew them would have known something radically has changed in these people's lives. And they were to serve as examples of the power of the gospel. And they were to make sure that they held the message just as they had been taught it, just as they received it, so that that same power that changed their lives could change other people's lives. I love what R. Kent Hughes says on this, and I'm going to read it for you. Beneath their surface courtesies, many people are burdened by dissatisfying marriages, enslaved to lusts and addictions, entangled in patterns of thought and habit that they desperately hope but can hardly imagine that they can escape. They're ensnared in dead end pursuits of money and power that control their lives without satisfying their souls. Godly leadership proves that freedom from the slavery of sin and selfishness is possible. I am living proof of the power of the gospel that can free you from the drugs, it can free you from the sexual immorality, it can free you from a life of pursuing things that will never satisfy your soul. I'm living proof. And I'm just one of a lot in this room. The power of the gospel changes lives. Changes lives. And that brings us to verse 10. You appoint elders to be examples of what the power of the gospel can do. And those elders need to make sure they maintain the purity of this message that will revolutionize somebody's life. Not just save them from hell, but lead them to true godliness. Why? Verse 10, where there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they're ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain, they're greedy. And then Paul quotes one of their prophets, a guy named Epimenides. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths. Jewish myths. What are those? Those are the things Jesus talked about when he said that the Jewish leadership in his first coming, what they had done is they had added to the word of God, and what they had added had no basis of truth in it, and they're now teaching Rules of men, religious rules that are miss. If you do this, you'll be closer to God. If you do this, it'll purify your life. They were miss. Or to the commands of those who reject the truth. What kind of commands? First Timothy chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such things come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry for the sake of holiness. Okay? And order them to abstain from certain foods. A religious diet to bring you closer to God. Which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. If You point these things out to the brothers, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. That's what he's talking about. Jewish myths are commands of those who reject the truth, the purity of the gospel. To the pure, all things are pure. In other words, if you've really been purified by faith through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, you're not now trying to get closer to God by rules and regulations. That's what he's talking about. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe the truth of the gospel, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions... They deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Now that's a lot to swallow, those six verses. What's he talking about? The more pointed question will be, who is he talking about? Well, that phrase in verse 10, the circumcision group, gives us a great clue. All these six verses are talking about people... Who have perverted the purity of the gospel message and by perverting it have ruined it. The circumcision group, who are those guys? Paul had run ins with them all the time. They're the guys that said faith in Jesus Christ is not enough. You got to have faith in Christ plus you got to be circumcised or plus whatever. You're adding something to the gospel. If you add anything to the gospel, you perverted it. You corrupted it. And what happens is very ironic. You end up going backwards instead of forward. The characteristics that Paul mentions here of these false teachers that had perverted the gospel, if you look at it closely, you can't help but think of the Pharisees. The Pharisees who looked good on the outside but had real problems on the inside. They were full of greed and self-indulgence. Evil brutes, lazy gluttons, liars, hypocrites. The most religious people and yet the most defiled people. Because they thought that righteousness came by obeying the law, by being circumcised, by having a kosher diet, by whatever it is. And you could take that in the context of our world and our culture. It's saying the prayers, it's the rosary, it's the beads, it's whatever, lighting the candles. And none of those things will bring you close to the Lord. And none of those things will lead you to true godliness. None of them. There's only one thing. Only one message and only one person, and his name is Jesus. And it's his death, his burial, his resurrection. That is the message I believe. That is the message, and that is the person that I received, 19 years old, knelt in my front yard, and heaven came down and changed me into a different person. And I didn't have to get up and go, okay, give me some commands. No, 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 no. Now the law was written on my heart. My heart had been changed. There was where the problem was in my heart. And that's what Jesus talked about. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, very briefly, he blew their minds. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7. And here's what he said. He called the crowd and he said, Listen to me, everybody, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man. That's what makes him unclean. And after he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about what he said. You know what he said to them? Are you so dull? Yes, Lord, help me to understand. (laughs) He said, Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared, All foods clean. And on Father's Day, I'd like to say, Thank you, Lord. You want the lobster? Go get it. (laughs) You want the bacon and the eggs after this? At brunch, God bless you. And God bless that meal. Amen? That's all the dads. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come, listen to the list, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly, and folly kind of covers everything else not itemized in the list. All these evils come from inside of man and make him unclean. And let me tell you again, the only thing that can make you clean is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then God does a supernatural work. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, because of his shed blood, he not only washes away your sins as far as the east is from the west, casts them into the deepest sea, puts up a sign, no fishing allowed. But in doing that, he changes your heart. changes your heart. You become a different person. And now by the Holy Spirit, you're able to, over time, actually be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Those are the character qualities of these elders that he appointed. They're not perfect, but not not the same as they used to be. And they're looking more like Jesus. Wonderful truth. Wonderful truth. Jesus said about the Pharisees, You travel over land and sea to win one convert. And when he's converted, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. And what he meant by that is the message they have is not good news. The message they have is just religion. It's just straightening your life up. It's just looking good on the outside. But if the heart hasn't been changed, you still got real problems. Real problems. Here's what it comes down to. You add anything to the gospel. It's not the gospel anymore. This message of adding to the gospel all but ruined the churches in Galatia. And that's why Paul had to write a whole letter, the letter to the Galatian churches. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 5, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm in them and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Trying to measure up, trying to attain your goal by human effort. And that's what he goes on to say. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. Mark my words, I tell you, that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. No value. In other words, you're going backwards and not forward. Now, let me, I hope you're with me here, and I hope you're hearing what God's saying. The same message that saved me, and the same grace of God, and mercy of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit that changed my life when I was 19 years old and I received Christ as Lord and Savior is the same is the same grace and the same mercy and the same person and the same Holy Spirit that's making me godly. Are you with me? I can't muster it up. When I got a challenge with my old flesh, and you're still going to deal with the flesh until we see Jesus come quickly, Lord Jesus. And the battle, the battle of the Christian life is my old life and my new life. My old life and my new life. But how do I win the battle over the old life? It's not... I'll never fight with my wife again. I'm never going to say that again. I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to take that again. I'm never going to drink that again. You know, that, it's not a list of do's and don't do's, and you'll never work up a victorious Christian life. You know how you live the victorious Christian life? The same way you started. So simple to understand, but it's so profound. I come back to the cross. That's where I started. The cross, the cross, 19 years old, the cross, the message of the cross, the the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And now as a Christian, I keep coming back to the cross, to the cross. And the more I come to the cross, the more that same Holy Spirit that saved me sanctifies me. Are you with me? Are you hearing what God's saying? Listen, listen. There's some of us right now, Christians, there could be a number of us in this room, and you've been going backwards instead of forward. And for whatever reason, you're trying to now attain the goal of godliness by human effort. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. What do you do? Come back to the cross. Some of us got sexual temptation issues, and you're not living in victory. You know what? Right now, right now, right now, just, just, in just three to five minutes, the Holy Spirit can give you victory. Now you've got to continue to walk in victory. Continue to walk in victory. Some of us got anger issues. An anger management class ain't going to do it. It ain't going to do it, okay? The answer is Jesus. The answer is the cross.
0: You've been listening to The Living Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship with Pastor Danny Hodges. Sometimes, life circumstances hit hard, and they can leave us wondering where God is. And not only that, they can leave us wondering if He's even real. But rest assured, the Lord never leaves or forsakes, and most importantly, He is the truth. Are you wrestling with your faith today? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we would be honored if we could do that for you. So send us an email at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. Would you also pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? Thanks for praying. If you don't already have a church that you call home and you live in or near St. Petersburg, we'd love to be that for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship invite you to join us for our weekend services. Check out ccfstpete.church for the latest service times or to find out how you can join us online if you're not in the area. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Titus right here on The Living Word.